What the auto industry is asking for is just a bridge. It's a loan only to get through this period of financial crunch so that what we see across the country does not further, is not further exacerbated by the loss of millions of jobs. Greetings from NPR's Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum. It's Monday, November 10th. It's around 2.30 in the afternoon here in Washington, D.C. The person you just heard from was Jennifer Granholm, the governor of Michigan. She's looking after her people there. She was talking to Matt Lauer on the Today Show. The three big auto manufacturers say they need more help from the federal government. And they are not the only ones. The AIG, the big insurance giant, the bailout has grown again. It started, you may remember, as an $85 billion loan. That was extended to $123 billion. Now it's up to $150 billion. Why? One reason is apparently that that loan itself was becoming a burden. It was something over 10%. I mean, not quite loan shark rates, but, you know, high. So they're doing what you would do if you were in a house and had trouble making the mortgages. They are refinancing, restructuring the loan. Except there's an added thing here, which is that uh, they're also sort of moving into your house and taking over a couple rooms because the government is going to buy preferred stock in AIG. It's basically the same strategy they've been using to shore up the banks. Uh, It's also going to buy up some of AIG's troubled assets, those toxic assets. Um, Not to be outdone, the Chinese government yesterday also is committing $586 billion to try to help the economy, not through bailouts, but through a stimulus package, which means spending. That is a number that would have seemed big to me before. Now I'm not so sure how big it is. I asked Simon Johnson at the Peterson Institute about it. He is the former chief economist at the International Monetary Fund. It's a big number in the in the Chinese economy. Um, it's something like uh, 7% of, of Chinese uh, GDP. It's going to be spread over a number of years, and I think some of that money was they were already going to spend. But it's a big headline number, there's no question, and it certainly uh, should make Chinese uh, domestic audiences feel more confident. How does it compare to our recent stimulus package? Uh, we did 1% of, of GDP uh, back in January as a tax cut, and there's discussion of doing somewhere between 1% and 3% of GDP in the next this round. This is bigger, absolutely. Um, the question is, can the Chinese really spend it? And also, China is a smaller part of the world economy, so it doesn't do as much for us as our 3% would do for them, for example. Is there some way in which, though, uh, if China does better, they buy more stuff from the U.S., and it's good for us? Um, well, to, they, they, they certainly do buy things from us. They buy, they buy aircraft. They buy um, various kinds of manufacturing uh, goods. Uh, obviously, they sell to us more than we sell to them. And they buy a lot from, from Europe. So Europe is actually stronger in the kind of manufacturing products that emerging markets like to buy. Lots of machine tools, for example, that they use to then make toys that they then sell to us. So honestly, it would help the Europeans a bit more than it would help us. China's economy has been growing. I think in 2007, it was 11%. So if your economy is growing like that, why do you need a stimulus package? Well, growth for next year is is only projected to be 8.5%. That's the IMF uh, official forecast for 2009, the new one from last week. And the Chinese have long said that if they don't make 8%, then they're not going to be able to generate the kind of job growth they need. They have an increasing population, lots of young people coming along, uh, and also they want you know, a fair amount of income growth. So 8% is the magic number for them, uh, and I think you'll see growth will not fall below 8% because they do control the statistics, but you, what you can see from the fiscal packages, they're worried. They're worried about a slowdown. So 11 to 12% is where they thought they were going to be. Now they're down 
at least 8 to 9%, I think there's even more downward pressure uh, actually coming. And this is not a, this is not a panic reaction. This is a, a big reaction, and, and they're trying to be decisive. They are under a lot of pressure. I've been reading about strikes, uh, you know, workers very upset. Is that because they were planning for growth that's now not, they're not growing quite as fast? Is that why it's a problem for them? Yes, the, the problem everywhere always is slowdowns. So if you're expecting five and you get two, that might seem like reasonable growth for the U.S. We'd be happy to have 2% next year. But the point is you were expecting five. It's the slowdown. So Korea has the same issue from a, from a lower level. Uh, other emerging markets have exactly the same problem. Uh, China, it's, it's 12 down to eight is already a bit of a shocker. If they were to go down to five, that would be a big deal politically. What would it be like in the United States if we had 8% growth here? <laughs> what would it feel like? Well, it would feel good. It would feel great. We'd have cranes everywhere. We'd be worried about inflation. We'd be saying that things are running way too, way too hot. We'd be pulling in massive labor from around the world. Uh, we'd be persuading uh, mothers to go. We'd be paying mothers to go back to work, <laughs> paying them decent wages for a change. Um, it, it, would be, it would be huge. It would be very different. All right. So you, you said that the, the size of the Chinese stimulus package is big. Um, and when I, when I think about stimulus, I think, okay, say, I'm, say I were the head of a household, my Households having trouble. I say it's okay. Uh, we're going to go out to a really nice dinner. I'm going to buy. We're going to buy cl- new clothes for everybody, and we're going to get a car. Why is that a good idea? That would seem like it might create more problems. So why is it a good idea for China to be, uh, you know, throwing all this money into its economy? Well, this is the, di- the, the difference between households and, and governments or countries, right? <laughs> so a country can borrow money. Uh, the government can borrow money from its own people, and, and if they need to, like in the case of the United States, I could borrow money and do the same thing at home, but it wouldn't be a good idea for me, right? That's possibly true. Um, certainly some smoothing of your consumption at the household level is something we, we tend to think is a good idea. If your income went down temporarily, why should your kids go without shoes? You know, you should borrow a bit of money, get your kids shoes. That's sensible. They'll stay healthier. They'll study better in school, that sort of thing. So, so the idea of a stimulus package is that uh, it's to try and smooth things out. And eventually, you're going to have to pay the money that you're borrowing now, right? So the idea is that we're in a rough spot and uh, we'd rather... We'd rather pay it in the future and have a little more now. And also, the things what are the things they're investing in? They're investing in things that they're hoping are going to lead to, to more growth in China. Yes, they're investing a lot in infrastructure, infrastructure-related things, more roads, which they certainly need if you've, if you've been to China, uh, rail, railways, uh, mass transit. Actually, the same sort of things you could invest in the United States, and you could actually do some maintenance in the United States because our infrastructure is older. These are all sensible things to do, which for various reasons get pushed off the agenda in ordinary times. So why not take advantage of this moment when you need some more spending in the economy? You need to replace some private consumption by, by, by putting some uh, productive uh, investments uh, in, in, into the economy. Are they always good things to do, though, because... This is sort of what communism was so bad at, the government deciding, we need a road here. You know, central planning does not have a great history. So, but that's sort of what you're doing here with a stimulus package like this. Yes, uh, to some degree. You don't want to go, look, you don't want to go crazy. You don't want to spend 10% of GDP or, <laughs> you know, they, there's such a thing as going too far. You'll get They're spending 7%, right? Uh, they're getting up there. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And, and who knows how much is, is, how much is too much. Um, by the way, central planning was not bad at infrastructure. They're, they're, they were bad on technological innovation. They were bad on consumer. They were terrible on consumer goods. You wouldn't want to eat in any centrally planned economy, that's for sure. Um, but in terms of how the metros worked or how the roads were not so good, but the railways were pretty good. And some of the mass transit in Moscow, for example, is, is really very nice. So at the end of this week... Here in Washington, D.C., we're going to have uh, the leaders of the world's largest economies, the Group of 20. The U.S. has put hundreds of billions of dollars into trying to, uh, trying to stem the crisis. China has done the same now. What do you expect out of this meeting? 
Well, personally, I don't expect a lot, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, what I would like to see is more fiscal spending around the world. I'd like to see some coordinated uh, push on, on, on spending, uh, from in, particularly involving Europe. I'd like to see some cuts, uh, further cuts in interest rates, particularly in Europe. I'd like to see um, some attempts to shore up uh, some of the regional currency arrangements that look a little wobbly right now, uh, by which I mean Europe. So I have a big European agenda. Unfortunately, the Europeans are coming to town wanting to talk about Bretton Woods too in very fluffy, vague ways that are not... Big, big structural questions. Huge structural questions, like the kinds of things you do, you last did after World War II. Let's redo the framework for trade, for finance, for regulating everybody and everything. And if you're the French, you also want to nationalize a lot of things. That's just one of the things the French like to do. Um, so... You know, it's okay to talk about big questions, but I think there are very there are much more immediate pressing issues, fiscal policy, monetary policy, and the, the money, money for the IMF. The IMF is short on cash. The IMF needs more cash if it is to help out emerging markets that almost certainly need its help in, in the very near future. Uh, they're down to their last $100 billion. Okay, that used to sound like a lot of money. $100 billion is not a lot. We're clearly in the, in the trillion-dollar bailout world. Uh, $100 billion is, is, is very little. Uh, is there a reason why China announced this stimulus package maybe right before the meeting here in Washington? I think it's, it's part of a clever diplomatic uh, initiative. Either they're going to put more things on the table and they're, going to, they're sort of putting up the pressure on other countries to, to contribute, or more likely they're going to say, look, we gave it the office. We did our fiscal stimulus package last week. We're not going to chip in for the IMF. We're not going to move our exchange rate in the way you guys have been asking for. Uh, we're done. What have you done for us recently? What have you, the French or the British, done for the global economy that can match this? And they also put some pressure on the Bush administration. The Bush administration is, is indicating they may not want to do a fiscal stimulus. Uh, and so you have to wait until end of January or early February when the new administration comes in. Well, again, the Chinese can say, you know, right back at you. So, okay, what have you done? What do you, why, why do we wait three months? If you say the world economy is so bad, and by the way, you broke the stuff that caused the world economy to go down, what are you going to do about it? Uh, you can't just say it's all China's fault. You can't just say China saved too much or China did move its exchange rate or China this or China that. Look, we're doing our fiscal stimulus. So it's, a, it's an interesting diplomatic move. I was just looking at the agenda, and there's like an hour and a half sort of panel discussion followed by lunch and another one behind closed doors. Three hours or whatever it is doesn't really seem like enough to fix the global financial crisis. Uh, they can't even go around the table and all express their views fully in three hours, I can assure you. So you know, it's unlikely to make a lot of progress. Uh, so just as I walked in your office, you had just read an interesting uh, news alert you got. Oh, yes. I, I'd heard about the, uh, a new Deutsche Bank uh, report uh, on, on General Motors, which, which, sets, uh, which sets a very low price target for their shares, uh, let's say. I, I'm, I haven't checked the report myself yet. I, I just heard it uh, verbally, but I'm told the price target is zero, which is a low price. What would that mean, zero? Well, I think it, it means that they, they're expecting them to be basically um, out of business as, 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 a going con- as, a, as a going concern or in terms of the, uh, you know, what the current shareholders get. It doesn't mean they're out of business totally. There could be a restructuring through bankruptcy or some form of government intervention. Um, that- Where the stockholders end up uh, getting the very, very short end of the stick. Or, or getting no end of the stick, I think, is the point. Um, the, the argument you can see developing in, in this report and other, other things coming out today, too big, too interconnected to fail, too much technology will be lost, too many jobs through the suppliers and, and so on. That's the thing, right? It's, it's not just the uh, cars you go and buy on the lot, right? In order to make a car, they got to buy brake pads in the frame of the car, and they got to buy steering wheels, and they buy that from somebody. So if the car company goes away, that's bad for all the suppliers also. 
That's right. And it's inter- they're interconnected, um, like if the banking system is interconnected. If, 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 the, if, if a big assembly company like GM goes down and that causes problems for the suppliers, then that spills over to other assembly companies and presumably other people in the supply uh, industry. You mean other auto companies too. Exactly. So there's a web of interconnections um, that um, you know, is not the same scale as the financial system, and it's not everywhere in the economy like credit is. Um, but it's pretty important, and, and it's scary. You don't know, um, you know, some people thought they had a handle on what would happen if Lehman was allowed to fail back in mid-September. turned out we had no handle on that at all. Nobody had a handle on that. And so you have to worry about other big interconnected entities going down. I don't think we're facing another Lehman-type situation, but I did hear the CEO of GM say we might be facing another Lehman situation. And ordinarily you might think, well, let's just call the guy's bluff and see what happens. I don't think you want to do that at this moment in the global economy. What kind of car do you drive? (laughs) I I drive an import. (laughs) Thanks to Simon Johnson at the Peterson Institute. He is also the former chief economist at the International Monetary Fund. You know, sometimes when economists talk about uh, other countries, you actually stop thinking them as real places. They're just sort of names or uh, places on a map. Well, our very own Laura Conaway is in China right now, in Beijing, and she sent us this great little audio postcard walking around the streets uh, with a friend of hers. Now is the rush hour. Quite a lot of cars just passing by a paper stand. Can you help me buy a sweet potato? Yes. Okay. Would you like one? You want to split one? Tell me what you see. I see dozens of uh, sweet potatoes on a, on a, a barrel, which is um, not very healthy because, you know, they use the used... Oil barrel to cook. He's trying to persuade me to buy another one. I refuse. How much is it? How much is it? How much is it? How much is it? How what is it quite like a buck? Uh, sort of. Will you ask him if he's a capitalist? Is it okay to ask? What a pony, oh, someone he doesn't know what it means. Does he have to have a license to sell sweet potatoes? Does he basically tried to try not to answer me. Yeah. Is he scared of us? Yeah, a bit nervous. Toledo, these people on these bikes frighten me. Hmm? The people on the bikes scare me. God, why do they go the wrong way like that? They do that Are in you New surprised? York. surprised? Well, they do it in New York, but they don't do it with kids on the back. Thanks to our very own Laura Conaway for that. Laura, please stay safe. Get out of the street. All right, that does it for us here today on Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum. Thanks for listening. I know so many 
is 